1: To another mental level Low power frequency Radio modulation
2: The big sound from
1: underground We bring the truth to places Truth is never heard before We bring the sound Communication about
0: Good afternoon, Madison. You're listening to w o r t eighty nine point nine Fm. I'm your host, Ali Muldrow. This is a public affair. And today, I'm so grateful to be joined by a very large group of of feminists who are talking about, you know, what what feminism means to multiple generations of people. So we're talking about feminism. We're talking about abortion, access, and the folks we're talking to today during this conversation and panel include Madison Poet Laureate and Angie Trudell Vasquez. How are you doing today, Angie? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Angie, do you want to introduce yourself and a little bit of why this conversation is important to you? And do you want to let our listeners know what your pronouns are?
3: Yes. So um, my pronouns are she, hers, uh, as the Madison Poet Laureate. It's a good role for me because I I feel poetry is part of my life and activism, and I was born a feminist, and uh, I came of age at a time where uh, the ERA went through my high school, and uh, it didn't go through, and I remember being so angry about that. So um, I come to this as a Gen Xer, as you know, but I have been a feminist since birth. And it's woven through all of my work, all of my essays, all of my books, Um, in addition to nature, um, feminism, the feminine divine. um, Yeah, I I certainly claim that title. I've been working for women's rights um, and LGBTQ rights from a very early age, in addition to workers' rights. So to me, being a feminist is just part of being alive.
0: Ooh. Thank you so much for joining us today, Angie. I'm so excited to get to have you and your perspective as part of this conversation. We also have with us today Jordan Joseph from Sex Out Loud on UW-Madison campus. Jordan, how are you doing today? You want to introduce yourself to our audience um, and, and let us know what your pronouns are, the best way to refer to you is.
4: Hi, so I'm Jordan Joseph. My pronouns are she, her, and I'm representing today the organization Sex Out Loud which is on UW Madison's campus. um, And we're just committed to providing sexual health resources and education for free to students on campus, as well as in the greater Madison area. Um, So this conversation is really important. Um, Feminism and abortion access is a huge part of what I do. um, And just making sure that everyone has the information that they need and that they might not have gotten in high school or from other places. So I'm really excited to talk today.
0: Thank you so much for the work that you're doing on campus, Jordan, and for joining us today on WORT eighty nine point nine FM for a public affair. I am really grateful to have the the activists from Bleed Shamelessly back on the air. Although last time Bleed Shamelessly was here, it was a different group of of young people. So not I do I do know one of you a little bit, like I have met Cameron before. Um, But Nitya, Cam, how how are you doing? Welcome to the show. Um, Why why is this conversation important to you? And why do you want to be a part of it today?
5: Yeah, so like we said, we're a part of Bleed Shamelessly, which is a menstrual equity organization dedicated to ending the stigma surrounding periods and menstrual health in general. And that's super intersectional with feminism, with abortions, with being more trans inclusive to you know the menstrual health movement so that's a big part of our mission is just ensuring that everybody um, gets equal access to healthcare regardless of where they come from and feminism is a huge part of what we do we also are both
6: full-time students we're currently in our high school um, so we're able to provide that from an education standpoint what feminism looks like to us
5: I, yeah. Thank you so much for having us.
0: I really <laughs> admire you two for joining us from your high school. Do you all want to share
5: your, your pronouns with our listeners? Sure. Yeah. My name is Nitya. My pronouns are she, her, hers. My name is Cameron and
6: my pronouns are they/them.
5: Thank you
0: both so much for joining us. I also want to highlight a very special guest today returning to the show <laughs> after what feels like like many years it's been like two years at least. Yeah. yeah and you have a, like way more hair uh-huh. since the last yep. time i saw you i haven't you. had a
2: haircut since before the pandemic so
0: i i dig <laughs> it it's a good it's a good look it's a vibe in the studio today i haven't been in the studio with another person in in that's, years that's sincerely yeah. so andrew is back to help us pledge drive or mm-hmm. pledge wrap with oh, us yeah. um because you know we're talking about generations of feminists. We're also talking about generations of folks who have been on the air. Wart has been around for a long, long time, decades and decades and decades, because people like you who are listening. Call in and and give um, and make sure that this listener-supported station keeps happening. Um, conversations like this keep happening. If you want to call us and give, um, you will make the folks who are volunteering today really excited because they'll get to hang out and talk to you. Um, but the number is 608-256-2001, extension 1, or donate online at W O R T fm.org why you know why are you a, a supporter of wrt
2: well like like you said i'm i'm returning for this uh pledge drive and and to be here to support you and and all your guests um and all the listeners um i also volunteered here for i think it was about six years uh as an audio engineer for this show for this specific show this tuesday show specifically too um and i mean it really means a lot to me and i'm sure it means a lot to the community too to have this kind of voice to bring in what what's going on with the community what uh what's important to you come broadcast that out um and unfortunately money makes the world go around so we can't do it without your support uh you the listener um we we really need your help to uh pitch in and uh, make this machine keep running smooth i mean we have great staff here um, mostly volunteers that are making it happen but uh someone needs to keep the lights on
0: Heck, heck yeah you
2: know, and the transmitter running
0: i i love that you can talk about like yeah we have to we there's a good amount of equipment and there is a very small group of really hard-working people oh yeah who really keep keep this keep this going on shout out to them really quick so huge shout out to our engineer today ben huge shout out to Rochelle who is just like the best producer one could have absolutely um andslly pittman we cannot love you anymore i mean folks who really during during the pandemic We're in here by themselves, like making sure the radio happened every day, all day. Um, So please call, please give. Remember, small donations do big things. So we're asking, we have a wide range of listeners, uh, you know, and we have a wide range of folks we're talking to today. And if you're at the place in your life where like a five dollar donation is what you can do, do that. I am not going to let you off the hook because I think it's important to ask you not just why Ward is important to you, Andrew, Mm -hmm. but why is feminism important to you?
2: Oh, man, there's so many reasons. I mean, feminism affects everybody in society and not not just, you know, women or feminine presenting people, um, but like everybody benefits from uh, an equity in how people are treated. And I think as we're probably going to discuss today about the. um, Supreme Court um, decision that I'm not thrilled about myself. Um, as somebody that doesn't have a uterus, I'm still very unhappy about it. Uh, but you know that that does affect people that aren't just. I mean, and, and you know that's a part of the autonomy autonomy issue that is just going to go farther and farther. That's mm-hmm. not going to stop there. And um, yeah, feminism goes so much beyond that as well. Um, and it, it, again, just equity of, of self equity of identity, equity of how anybody wants to be treated um, it, it the intersectionality of it too uh, it gets it just gets so deep. There's not enough time for me in this little blitz to discuss <laughs> it all. Why would you do that to me? So I, I know, you know, I
0: know. And we have we have one more guest. So if you were okay, out good. there thinking like, oh, my goodness, could they pack more in to <laughs> this hour? Yes, we can. You um, know, in, in just a moment, we're going to welcome Deborah, a member of the Raging Grannies, an activist group. Um, and, you know, I think... Before before we jump into that, I want to kind of lean into something mm-hmm. you were saying. It's one of the reasons it's really exciting to have folks from Bleed Shamelessly here. Um, you know, one of the things we really heard after Roe v. Wade was overturned, y'all, was that people should delete their, their period trackers, right, right. that the monitoring of the bodies of people who may become pregnant would be so greatly intensified that people should really guard their privacy. How did you all respond to that? What does what does bleed shamelessly have to say about kind of that intersection of this issue?
5: Yeah, definitely. I sorry, is my headphone okay? Okay, sorry. Okay, um, the intersectionality that feminism and period poverty represents is definitely something that we as an organization are heavily focused on. Um, it's quite unfortunate the thing that happened with the period tracking apps. Um, especially with the recent announcement on Roe v Wade but we believe that your period is definitely nothing to be ashamed of and um, as an organization we really work to you know destigmatize everything surrounding that including education in schools including you know just saying the word period in general which has just been so like, Stigmatized in general,
6: however, a right to privacy is also extremely important and we began starting to push the period trackers we found that were not selling information as well as encouraging people without periods to download these apps and start putting in entirely random information just to add an extra level of perceived security um, to what these apps are doing.
0: Yeah. Oh, I love both how there mm-hmm. is a, a disruptive and informative strategy behind your activism. Um, can you all talk a little bit about the apps that you think folks are are able to use with greater confidence um, in terms of protecting their privacy?
6: It's difficult. Um, we begin, you know, having to search through articles and then the old copyrights themselves, everything about these apps are the privacy um, agreements that everyone just kind of quicks through. I believe Clue is a pretty good one. Um, they haven't been selling information and actively were being pro Roe v. Wade um, right after that decision was made. Um, and they also are gender neutral. They completely use gender neutral language. Um, so we definitely support that one.
0: Ah, uh, That's really cool and kind of a coincidence because I'm using Clue and have my period today so I'm like I just feel like the theme of this show is just really it's just really resonating with me I'm also wearing a bleed shamelessly t-shirt that I got from Maggie um, a few years ago when she was doing you know more of the the rallying work before the pandemic because I think before the pandemic you all did a little bit more protesting and a little bit more large gathering Um, but I I so appreciate your work and so appreciate the opportunity to have this conversation with you and I also want to welcome to the show, Deborah, a member of the Raging Grannies, who who's joining us today. Deborah, how are you doing?
1: I'm good. Thank you.
0: Deborah, I, I wanted to invite you to kind of introduce yourself and and talk a little bit about what feminism means to you and how abortion access has shaped your life over over the course of your lifetime, what what has feminism meant?
1: Well, over the course of my lifetime, I'm obviously a baby boomer and it feminism to me was being able to take control of your own self both intellectually and physically and uh, being able to navigate your life the way that you felt it should go now i um grew up where in um you couldn't even get birth control if you weren't married in wisconsin not until 1974. So, I mean, there were all these types of clamps on on how you could uh, control your own body and your own mind. And what happened to me was I ended up having an illegal abortion in um, 1971, and luckily I was able to get some help through the Jane Network and find a place to go. But I ended up, because my partner and I were not ready, we were teenagers, we were not ready to have a child, and um, I ended up in the basement of the Bronx having an abortion. Um, I was told that, it, that the person that was performing it was a doctor from Cuba who wasn't allowed to get uh, a license here, but he didn't speak English and I didn't speak Spanish. And this was through um, one of the people that was working with him. And it was a terrifying experience. Mm -hmm. It was, you know, it, it, I think that shaped my life almost more than anything. Because it was like, no, this is not right. You know, and then after all, you know, I felt that there was really some protection. I went on to have three really great daughters and they had some protection you know there were ways of them having more autonomy over their life and now i have a three-year-old granddaughter who doesn't have any who's none and so it's it is such a world back so you know such a backtracking and i am so angry about it that's i guess that's my real feel because i hear from these pro-birthers that um you know abortion is not healthcare, it's only killing babies, and that is such a lie. In between um, my second daughter and my third daughter, I had a miscarriage at 14 weeks, which is, you know, past the first trimester. I went into shock, and if my doctor had not been able to give me a DNC, and I probably would have died. Mm. It's just that there is no way that our government should tell us how how you know we can protect our bodies and what our health care is and what our health care isn't.
0: Deborah, I think it's so. Incredibly valuable, and I think our listeners agree because one of the comments our our producer sent through was, Wow, these are stories you won't hear on other media. I hope we see those pledges rolling in from our feminist rea- r- feminist listeners and allies. Um, I think you know i I think there's kind of a, a sense of resentment towards older generations um that I think is felt pretty you know i think the the idea of like okay boomer um or this idea that you know folks who are of another generation don't have any you know don't have any commitment to this fight when really it's the, the women of of my mother's generation. My mom was born in 1963. My grandmother was born in 1926. My, my oldest daughter was born in 2009. Um, And in the four generations of, of my, my family's women, um, this fight has really shaped our lives. Um, And it is, it is the, the boomers who were able to, you know, who were around and, and, and speaking out when Roe v. Wade happened. Um, can you talk a little bit about what it was like for you to, to be around during Roe v. Wade, what, what it meant to you um, when, when abortion became uh, a, a right, um, something that you had the right to, something that you had the right to privacy around? Um, what did that mean from you for you as somebody who had to have an illegal
1: abortion? You know, it was a great relief, and I felt a great victory. I thought, okay, I never in the furthest you know, recesses of my mind would I ever think that this would be taken away. I, it, and that's a part of the problem and part of the criticisms of Baby Boomers is that, yeah, we were in the street. I mean, you know, my political um, – and this is, you know, after – I've had the illegal abortion. I went on to be a part of SDS and part of the anti-war movement. And I I became a pretty active political person when I was younger, um, thinking that, you know, we were able to do a certain amount of change, which we were. The problem was that we never really realized that they would continue to work against us Mm -hmm. in every way you know, against us, you know, for civil rights, against us, for feminism. And, you know, we, and and part of this, you have to understand too, when you have three kids, as you know, (laughs) personally, you know, and you have a job, you're not able to be as politically active. And that's why a group like the Raging Grannies has emerged. Uh, We've emerged because we are, we are no longer, you know, of the age to bear children. Our children are grown, a lot of us have grandkids, and many of us are retired, and we feel that we have a real responsibility to be out there, because, you know, if we get arrested, it's not like there's going to be nobody home to take care of our kids. Oh, I appreciate
0: that we have a raging granny on the air right now who is who is prepared to go to jail um, to to fight for our rights. Do you think that there are are things that younger generations are not aware of or equipped with in terms of how to fight this fight and win? Um, Because so many of us you know, not only did we never think Roe v. Wade would be overturned, um, we've never lived in a world without Roe v. Wade. I've never lived in a world without Roe v. Wade. Um, And so the idea of fighting for for abortion or fighting for a right that, you know, you had three months ago is a really disorienting thing. Um, And I think It's hard to imagine what it was like for for folks of other generations who had never had the right to abortion um, to have to have been advocating for it at a time when there was so much shame, so much stigma um, and so much fear around uh, abortion. Deborah, how did how did it feel for you when Roe v. Wade was overturned?
1: Oh, it was devastating. It was absolutely devastating because, first of all, I I knew that that there has always been a pro-birth movement that, you know, has been used politically to tra- for people to try to gain power. But I never thought that they would actually take a power the way they have. And so now what I would say to all of my younger constituents, male and female, is look out. You don't know what's coming next. Mm. You know, um, I know people don't understand that in Wisconsin, you couldn't even get birth control pills if you weren't married. That law changed in 1974. If we're going backwards, we don't know how far backwards we're going to go. Mm. And to me, you know, when you have forced birth, okay, forced pregnancy, that is really a way of, being, of losing so much of your freedom. I mean, when I think about forced pregnancy and i think about nazi germany where they had these camps of young aryan women that they would have like soldiers come and they would want to get them pregnant because they wanted more of the aryan race or in the opposite way i think of slavery where they wanted their women to be pregnant because they wanted more babies so that it would increase their wealth i mean that to me is servitude Yeah, I mean it's it's it's, women will stand for that. I hope not.
0: It's it's dehumanizing. (laughs) And Angela, we haven't gotten to hear much from you or or your generation yet. You are representing Gen X, kind of the generation between me as a millennial and Deborah. You know, as somebody who's been situated on kind of both sides of these stories in terms of the progression of women's rights throughout your lifetime, how does how does, you know, this current moment resonate with you?
3: Well, I was the poet in residence for um, the Priory Writers' Center in uh, Chippewa Valley in Eau Claire when this went down. And um, I felt like I really had to hold the space as the poet in residence and being an activist. But you're right, um, Roe versus Wade was in effect most of my life and it was devastating. But um, in my mind, it's time to be an activist again. And there were folks that were older that were tired there are folks that were younger, that were devastated. And I'm like, this isn't over. And I look at what Kansas did and how they pushed back. I feel like there are people that always overreach. And we watch the pendulum go back and forth. And Roe versus Wade has been on the ballot every year that I can remember. It's always been a threat. And it was never codified. And neither is Board versus uh, Brown versus Board of Education. That's not codified. How far will they go back? They will go back far. If you haven't read The Handmaid's Tale, I recommend you to. And every woman I know who has ever read that book starts putting cash under their mattress. So there are people that want to strip our power away, who do not want us to be educated, who prefer that we keep quiet and silent. And that is not an option, never has been. And we are existing on the strength of so many people before us. Our ancestors have been propping us up a long time. I'm Mexican-American. My folks came over. In the late 1800s, on land that was taken from Native folks, so like the the amount of violence that has occurred against people. Um, regardless of skin color or socioeconomic class, it goes on and on and on. And oh. that's kind of the founding of our country. Angela, thank you so much for speaking to that. And
0: just for, you know, kind of the the massive history that we all are kind of carrying within us. Um, I think, you know, I've been thinking about the ways that we're unconsciously controlled by history a lot lately. Deborah, I know you're with us for just one more minute. Is there anything you want our listeners to know about how to get involved in raising grannies or what, you know, feminism and abortion access mean to you?
1: Well for the Rachel grannies we were um, asked to come to uh, it was a rally by march m a r r c h and we showed up and we sang and we were part of it. If you want us to be a part of your uh, rally your movement, whether it is speaking, whether it is, we do a lot of singing and our songs are very political songs, we try to use satire and some humor to really get our point across. Um, Frankly, we feel that sometimes at rallies people get tired of hearing speech after speech after speech, and sometimes by having a break, by having, you know, a a, a different approach with the same message is, you know, refreshing. So please, please use that. Oh, Deborah, contact. that's so
0: that's so refreshing. I'm like, you're reminding me of Emma Goldman. If I can't dance, I don't want to be part of your revolution. <laughs> I'm like, okay, because so if you want to get down with the raging grammy, grannies, um, you know, they get they get down.
1: Yeah, contact us. And we'll be there.
0: Oh, thank you so yeah. much, Deborah, for, for joining us today on WORT 89.9 FM. Um, this is A Public Affair. I'm your host, Ali Muldrow. And today we are talking with a multi-generational feminist group of folks. We're having a roundtable about abortion access and feminism, um, you know, that spans decades and decades of people's lives. Um, and so representing, you know, baby boomers and millennials and Gen X and the uh, the zoomers or gen z i'm not sure what y'all are calling yourselves so we'll we'll clarify that but before we do that we we need y'all to pledge we need you to call and and donate and keep you know keep wort around for another 45 years absolutely andrew let let folks know how can how can they give today
2: well i mean obviously you can call at 608-256-2001 extension 1 or donate online at wortfm.org um but and not not just you can do that, but you should, because where else are you going to get such a generationally diverse panel like we have here today? And also, I mean, uh, the story that Dever just shared with us is uh, it's just amazing, like heartbreaking, of course, but also like during uh, a time where Cuba was completely isolated from the world because of capitalist forces. Um a Cuban doctor helped her with a very illegal procedure at the time that was life-saving um potentially life-saving or not doesn't matter it was well i think a lot of people necessary. think of of
0: their abortion and their choice you know I mean, somebody says hey i was I t i didn't want to be a teen parent i think you think i mean yeah, I, my, that
2: could save a life just yeah, right there
0: my whole yeah. my whole life would be different if i hadn't had that option and absolutely i should have the option of getting an abortion yeah. with somebody i can communicate with in the same language of like course, i yeah. should not nobody should have to have an abortion in a basement right and i think one of the things that's great about wart is i think it's easy. In kind of the political rhetoric around abortion mm-hmm. to forget that this is real people's stories, right. real people's lives.
2: Yeah. Which if um, you look at other news outlets, you're not really getting those stories. You're getting talking heads kind of debating on whether or not it should be a law, which is like, you know, there's some importance to that maybe somewhere down the line. But this, the personal touch that WRT has is um, fairly unique. Uh, to, especially to the community so
0: yeah yeah get,
2: think... get on that what's the what's the phone number again
0: the phone number is 608-256-2001 yeah. extension 1 or donate online at w o r t uh mm-hmm. dot .org you're listening to w o r t 89.9 fm i'm your host ali Maltrow. Um, and today we're talking to some some young folks some you know i, I want to say I always say I'm not necessarily like a spring chicken. I'm more of like an autumn yeah. chicken. I,
2: I think I'm fully in my I'm fully in my fall phase here. Yeah, so that's...
0: <laughs> for a while I felt like a summer chicken, but yeah. you know. Anyway, but, we're and, talking to a lot of people. Yeah, of
2: course, and and as a veteran of the station, you know, everyone here works very hard and has just the best of mindset about what they're doing here and um they yeah they need your help um we need you to get on that phone number get on that website um help us out and uh keep it going you know we, we you know let's keep the transmitter going
0: yeah make sure make sure we get to continue to have these conversations and listen to like yoke local young people and listen to raging grannies mm-hmm. and You know, talk about feminism and talk about abortion access. Uh, There's not a lot of people, places where you get to do this. And and WORT is only going to stick around Um, like so many things. Mm -hmm. Like it's only going to stick around if we keep it around. It's only going to stick around if we fight for it. Um, So let's fight. Jordan, we haven't gotten to hear, hear much from you, but I think, you know, when we're talking about kind of the, the political reality right now, um, folks forget about, about young people on campus, forget that you all are voting, forget that you all are, are paying attention. How, how do you think folks on campus are responding to the overturning of Roe v. Wade? Um, and, and what does it look like right now for, for folks to stand up for, for the right
4: to abortion access? Yeah, so I think the great thing, is my audio okay? Um, About being on campus is seeing how people have been reacting. Um, Interestingly enough, in the spring when Roe was overturned, I was taking a constitutions and race and gender class, or courts and race and gender. Um, So we were talking about all of these things. And then leading up to the case, we actually got to unpack that in the context of this class. Um, I remember a bunch of protests have been happening. People have been getting out um, just really motivated. I think everyone, a lot of people are angry, they're frustrated. Like you were mentioning earlier, we, a lot of people in my generation, we don't remember a time when we didn't have Roe, And so I think some people might've taken that for granted. I think I did having that right to abortion, and then all of a sudden, it's gone. So I think it's a good reminder not to take a lot of the rights that we have for granted um, and to appreciate them while we do have them and continue fighting for them. Um, it's cool to see, I think, throughout my life. I remember in high school with the gun violence movement um, and March for Our Lives, things like that, and now just how, how much people care in my generation, um, going through social media, seeing people posting, sharing their stories and trying to get people out to take action. The conversation about abortion is often, you know, includes a conversation
0: about sexual assault. Campus sexual assault has been a prevalent phenomena for decades. in, in the wake of the overturning of Roe v. Wade, how are folks talking differently about sexual violence on campus, especially when in a state like Wisconsin, there is no exception for rape or incepts? Uh, abortion is illegal. It's a felony for folks who perform it. How are you all talking about that as young people on campus?
4: Yeah, so it's definitely a very important conversation. Um, with Sex Out Loud, we do a lot of work with sexual assault, um, particularly with Greek life and we work on trying to create a culture of consent as opposed to the rape culture that we typically see um, in society and on campus. So we talk a lot about trying not to normalize things like rape jokes or victim blaming. um, A lot with the resources that we have on campus. Um, I think the school will often talk about traveling in groups, carrying pepper spray, things like that, that really put the responsibility on the individual. So we work to talk about changing the wider culture and making sure that we're normalizing consent. Um, I think, I'm not sure how much the conversation has changed on campus. I think it's just continuing to work on making sure that sexual assault isn't a normal thing that happens. Um, And we're just working really hard to make sure students understand what sexual assault is, what it means, what it means here on campus, especially with drinking and hookup culture and things like that going on, how we can navigate that. Thank you so
0: much for speaking to that, Jordan. And I, I wanna jump over to, to Nitya and Cam because I think oftentimes when we talk about abortion access um, we we forget the range of people who are impacted by abortion and we don't we don't like to think of, Of really young people um, as people who might need an abortion. But I I got my period when I was 14 years old. Um, Lots of people get their periods much younger than that. One of the things you all talk about in terms of menstrual equality and access to menstrual products and sanitary products um, is just how young and how diverse the people who need uh, that support are. Can you talk a little bit about that for the folks listening today? W-O-R-T 89.9
5: today? Sure. So, um, I mean, me, myself, I've had my period since I was nine years old. um, And when I got it, I knew nothing about it. So we're trying to change that because not only the diversity of people who get periods is changing, but the diversity of ages of people who have periods is changing. And so that, you know, kind of education is especially important and is something that we are working really hard towards changing, especially in the Madison School District, um, as for people in our high school, it's hard enough to get pads and tampons in the women's restrooms, let alone the gender neutral restrooms, let alone the men's restrooms. So that fight is still, I'd say, it's, it's really hard working with administration um, and trying to get them to see our perspective um, as young people.
6: Yeah, we also try to make sure we're as inclusive as possible, especially in conversations around menstruation, abortion, all that. Um, There's a lot of, there are trans men, there are non-binary people like me, people of all genders and all experiences on the gender spectrum. Um, And then there's also people with disabilities who may not be able to use the same types of products um, that I may use. So we try and make sure we can be as inclusive as possible to all experiences like that. And I think bringing that layer to conversations like these is really important.
0: Oh, thank you both for for speaking to that. And I want to ask, Angela, you know, as we're having this conversation about like how we talk about our bodies and the rights that we've had over the course of of our lives, it's interesting to hear, you know, younger generations talk about what was what's available to them in terms of their education. Um, In terms of your education, how did folks talk to you about sex or your period or uh, abortion at school when you were growing up?
3: Well, We didn't get a lot of that, as you can imagine. And so Planned Parenthood was our resource for many folks of my generation. And um, thank goodness for Planned Parenthood. But our sex ed was in elementary school, and it's pretty nominal. Um, I was raised Roman Catholic, so it wasn't something that was encouraged to have um, sex before marriage. Um, I'm happy to say my folks are pro-choice now and do support Planned Parenthood, but it was evolving. Um, So I would say we shared information as young people, and um, that's really how we um, learned. But um, without Planned Parenthood, it would have been very difficult for someone of my generation unless you had really open parents. And growing up in Iowa in a Roman Catholic setting— uh, that wasn't gonna happen for me, so okay, there were books we shared. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. I, I, I share the fact that I'm like I think Planned Parenthood saved my life. I think growing up in on the east side of Madison, Wisconsin, um, I I got really lucky, you know, because I had access to spaces like a room of one's own. I had access to to WORT. I had, you know, these these older generation of of feminists, of LGBTQ folks um, stewarding my understanding and empowering me um, to trust and respect myself. And I think that 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 was so important to me as, as a young person. Jordan, when you think about kind of who has influenced you in terms of fem- feminism? Who are the feminist leaders you look up to? who are the the pro-choice, you know, movement leaders that that you feel like inspire you or you can use um, to address the the current moment? Um Who do you think of or how how do you think of the the folks that got you to feminism?
4: Yeah, that's a good question. I definitely would think of my family, um, just generations of women in my family. I was lucky enough to grow up with parents who were very progressive um, and who wanted to make sure that I had all of the information I needed. Um, and so my mom raised me to like care about my body and advocate for myself. Um, and then also going back, my grandmother, um, she's very active. She always sends me articles of things going on, especially in Wisconsin, just to see if I've heard about it um, or to talk about. How insane everything that's going on is. Um, and my cousins, my aunts, all of these older women definitely have inspired me and gotten me to where I am today. I,
0: I think there's a, a stigma right now around the kind of the, the, politically active young person right like there's a lot of fear around the politically active young person Um, and there's this stigma around wokeness of what it means to be well informed or what it means to be deeply concerned about inequity um is being is being made fun of is being used as as a political weapon um cam and nitya how do you how do you kind of Subvert the stereotypes about kind of young people um who are are progressive on a really superficial or
5: or surface level, sure. I think nowadays young people are being more progressive and I'm so sorry. <laughs> we are
6: still in our school building the Philippines. is oh. that
5: the the bell that's
0: like telling Bell's you all to go to class after lunch, okay. <laughs> So that is, that's the authenticity that people get to bring to WORT. I'm just going to remind people right now that you can give by calling 608-256-2001, extension 1, donate online at wortfm.org. Please give, please keep the lights on. Please make sure that we get to continue to have these great conversations. And now hopefully the bell's not chiming anymore at your high school. Um, And we can can talk a, a little bit about you know for for you all as young people what it's what it's like to see some of the the stereotypes um that are being used against politically active uh young people right now
6: I think I mean I've definitely faced people telling me that I'm like you know you're just so good for a teenager and Mm -hmm. I think that that is a really interesting phrase um assuming that we are again under this stereotype that we're all very superficial and only caring about this to look like we care Um, but I think combating that, I mean, our work, people see what we're doing and they, you know, start to somewhat believe we're making change. Um, we got $200,000 allotted towards period products and people started almost believing that more, but I also feel like it's calling out other individuals, other students who are truly being progressive, um, who are, who are only talking about things too talk about things if that makes sense
5: to just get the clout from it um -hmm. and I want to say like us as a generation definitely like many of us are underage right now but once we get into that you know age where we can start voting and making like a super deep impact in the political atmosphere we're definitely going to be a huge part of that like just last year there were several rape allegations at East High School and um every Madison school held a walk out to end rape culture and that was that was a school wide thing that people people participated in so that kind of like stereotype that you know we're superficial we just only you know care about these things to look like we care i think it's deep deep rooted in in how we were raised you know on social media and things like that and we have the uh, potential to make a real impact
0: I, I agree. I feel like I'm so deeply inspired by the activism of young people, and I do think that folks you say the same things about young people who are pushing, you know, pushing the idea of of gender norms, who are pushing the idea of of what inclusion looks like. Um, I think over and over again, though, young people have been at the forefront of of those fights for justice, um, and I think it's easy to forget that the civil rights movement was, you know, honestly a bunch of kids. It was a, a bunch of really young people who believed wholeheartedly that if they you know were willing to risk their safety they could change and transform the world Angela as you've you know gotten to see movement after movement um, for for you know the the span of, of your lifetime right as a person who is a labor activist is a, a person who cares about the environment is a, a person who you know is standing up for for injustice against the LGBTQ community um, do do you ever feel like you're spread thin across injustices? How do you how do you focus in on what matters most at any given moment on any given day?
3: Well, it helps I don't have children. So let me just say that. But I really think that um, that's just superficial. It's woven into your life. Like we listen to Deborah it's part of her life. The art feeds the activism, the activism feeds the art. Living in places like Des Moines and Seattle and Milwaukee and Madison and traveling, um, you see that there are many engaged people of all ages and there always has been. And I think they try and, and I, I don't know, I don't wanna say they, but people try and damper our enthusiasm to make change. But I'm witnessing it right here. I'm looking at our faces on this Google um, interview, and I'm looking at the people that are running the station. And I have so much faith and so much hope. And I personally think they wouldn't come after us if they didn't fear us, Ali. So here we are pushing back as we always have and we always will. Uh, We need to codify some things, but uh, we will get through this. I do wonder, uh,
0: though, sometimes because we have this kind of false comfort, because we because I grew up with Roe, because it was hard to imagine it being overturned. And honestly, I don't think we'll be really upset that it's illegal to have abortion until to until people start going to prison for it. You know, so so there is a part of me and I hate to admit, like Mm -hmm. there's a cynical part of me that goes, how bad does it have to get before all we do is fight? before all we care about yeah. is is making sure we get our rights back. Really quick, though, before we continue to deep dive into, you know, whether or not we're going to turn into The Handmaid's Tale, um, I want to <laughs> make a little noise for Anonymous, who da- donated today from... Fitchberg, thank you so much for your generous donation. We really appreciate you giving to WORT. And hey, if you want to be like anonymous, all you have to do is dial 608-256-2001, extension 1, or donate online at wortfm.org. Angela, I want to ask you, how bad do you think things have to get before we really care? George Floyd had to spend nine months you know it's interesting because i've been having this conversation about teenagers and cell phones lately um and it bothers me a lot because if a teenager hadn't had a cell phone you wouldn't know who george floyd is um mm-hmm. but but it it that 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 man spent you know yeah. A very extended period of time begging for his life. It had to be a pretty yeah. horrific thing to mobilize the world. How bad does it have to get in terms of abortion access um, before we as, as feminists are, are unified and mobilized across generations and across races and across the country?
3: I don't know how bad it's going to get, but I'm going to give you an example of when I worked at the ACLU and the marriage ban went through, and that Mm. was devastating. Oh, my God. Ten years later, we had marriage equality, and it was people on the ground talking to one another, sharing stories. And I was there for the oral arguments at the Seventh Circuit Court in Chicago, and we're bringing together plaintiffs from different states, and it was a beautiful moment because it, it came down to, who did the judges believe and who were they sympathetic to and they were not appointed by democrats they were appointed by republicans and this false binary thing really gets on my nerves but i will say that how bad does it have to get um... we need people to tell their stories and the more that people share their stories and the more they talk to people that do not agree with them which is really hard to do because it's easy to talk to the choir we will come out of this i think i really do i've had dreams where we didn't come out of it and I think we just have to keep pushing and I don't know how bad it'll get. But um I have I have faith that we will come through this because I watched marriage equality evolve and devolve and here we are with marriage equality and that's another thing we really need to protect.
0: Oh thank you so much for, for reminding us all. I think that's I think that's one of the reasons this conversation is so important is that you have to remember that all of these battles have been ongoing and balanced um, and that, you know, we, we wouldn't have arrived at this moment without people who are fighting really hard for us to have the right to fight. Jordan, how, how do you feel like we are positioning ourselves to fight back? Um, how do you feel like young people on campus are, are directly impacted by by this current movement? moment politically? um, And what do you hope we do about it?
4: Yeah, so I think the same thing, we need to keep fighting and stay angry um, for young people, especially with, and this is some of the work Sex Out Loud is working to combat, but with the state of public sex education, um, we do have high teenage pregnancy rates. um, And I think on campus, looking at sexual assaults and things like that, this is affecting us. Um, there can be high rates of unexpected or unwanted pregnancies. And now we're having the right to not have that pregnancy or not have that baby taken away. So this is huge for young people and especially people at, at UW's campus. Um, people need to stay educated and keep fighting and keep learning and watching what's going on and watching the news um, so they can stay updated. Cam and Nitya, I I wonder if you all kind
0: of have a sense of like, if things go poorly, this is what it looks like. And if things go well, this is what it looks like. This is your immediate future. Um, What are you really hoping that your activism is going to accomplish?
6: I think that for me personally, I don't set goals anymore. I just find things I want to stop from happening which is a horrible way of going at it, but when things keep negatively impacting us like this, I have to continue doing something. Um, So the idea that same-sex marriage could be overturned has become a huge thing in my mind. I want to make sure I can stop that, but the ideal situation just hasn't been as big of a
5: thing for me when so many things keep hitting us that are going wrong. Yeah, and like I said, earlier our fight is largely intersectional so not even just concerning laws but concerning how people think mindsets how people talk about these issues is definitely something we want to change like our sexual education is a lot different than you know my sister who's 12 her sexual education we did not have like proper sexual education at all so like you know changing these ideas changing the stigma surrounding how sexual education should happen, like who should be learning about these things, which is everyone should be learning about everything. Um, that kind of mindset is something that we work to change as well.
0: Well, and I do think you all have been so effective in saying we really need to shift the conversation we're having within the context of education. One of my most salient memories of human growth and development or sex ed was in fourth grade having someone show us how to put a maxi pad in our sleeve um, and ask to go to the bathroom discreetly. Like the the most important thing that you could learn about a period was how to conceal it. Um and, and I think you all have really said, hey, that's something that we have to shift. Y'all, there is still time to give. I wanna thank you all, Cam, Nitya, Jordan and Angela and Deborah for joining me today. Huge shout out to my co pilot today, Andrew. Thank you. I, I,
2: you know. Huge shout out to you, Ali, for for thinking to have me come back because I'm happy to be here. And again, this is something that I think is very important to fight for. And, you know, you've got to have a program like this to speak up about it.
0: Do you want to let folks know just one more time? Huge shout out to Louis and Louise um, who are out there answering phones. Please, folks, give them a call. The number is 608-256-2001, mm-hmm. extension one. We have. Huge thank you to Cameron as well. And huge shout out to Ben for making sure I remember, <laughs> you know, remember everybody and Michelle and Shally. Um, Y'all, if you want to keep us on the air, you got to give us a call. And also shout out to Cooper's Tavern, who donated food. The number is 608-256-2001. Thank you for listening to WORT 89.9 FM. I'm your host, Ali Muldrow. This is a public affair. We'll be back next week on Tuesday.
2: the bug